you know, I was talking to someone at South by Southwest, I think it was a couple of years ago. Mm. Uh, and I think he was heavily involved in the design of the original Xbox. All right. Okay. And he said something that I, I found fascinating, which is, which is something like you could, I'm paraphrasing here, you could, you could almost cut through the middle of an Xbox and the DNA of the people, the team that worked on it, were, are in there. Hello, Right Brainers. In this episode, I'm pleased to present to you an interview I did with Danny Somic, the founder and chief executive of the branding and digital agency Huddle Creative, based in London. In the interview, Danny inspires us to explore the outer reaches of our collective imagination, challenge our assumptions about brands, and also look at current issues like COVID-19 to birth innovative solutions. His Shoreditch-based agency are constantly pushing the boundaries to partner with clients, and in their words, to build stronger relationships with the people they care about. You'll hear about a project that they are currently doing with the NHS, and he lends his valuable insight to help creatives with their perspective and their values on how they can emerge from the COVID-19 lockdown. Enjoy, and don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, comment and share it with your friends. Speak to you later. Um, yeah, thanks for your time. Um, would you please like to Absolute explain pleasure. to uh, um, the people that are listening to this and watching this um, who you are and, and, and a bit about what you do? Sure. So I'm Danny Somek. I'm founder of Huddle Creative. Uh, we're a branding and innovation studio based in Shoreditch, London. At the moment, we're based all over the place um given given the lockdown um our specialisms really are in brand strategy visual identity development and digital experience design so building product designing and building products and apps um and websites and all of that good stuff we've recently got heavily involved in uh, marketing strategy and promotion um but very much driven from a data point of view rather than a um, purely purely creative point of view. So um, we like to think that um, what we do um, has the has the kind of creative spark in order to get to create something quite special and get cut through, but also is validated by data uh, and evidence. So that's that's kind of where we come from. Um, I, my specialism really is in strategy, um, both digital and branding. Um, I've also got a, um, quite often uh, we'll, we'll have a number of side projects on the go. So, um, uh, you know, those could be digital businesses or propositions or products that we decide to, uh, to explore and develop. So there's a num number of those in the pipeline. Uh, that could be everything from uh, a group video storytelling app to um, to a wine tasting app. Um, so really a kind of broad spectrum of, of things. Fantastic. And, 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 had, and that's really, really fascinating. I think we've got some really good content we can uh, explore in this interview. How did you get yeah. to this point? What's the, what was the journey leading up to um, Huddle Creative? Um, so I used to I used to be back in the day uh, head of new media as we used to call it, 
um, we, I was, I was at an agency where we had um, sort of, you know, big FTSE 100 clients um, and who, who really weren't, weren't understanding necessarily kind of what, what this whole digital thing was, you know, so mid nineties, you know, one of our clients asked us if, you know, they, they needed a website and uh they i think it was it was pretty much we need a website we're not quite sure what it is but we need a website um and so i put my hand up because i've always been into both uh design and arts and uh technology so that was my um and and back in the day everyone was winging it everyone was saying they could do stuff and then working out how to do it later and i th i thought that was a fantastic kind of hotbed uh, a sort of predecessor to what we're now calling innovation and, and this whole startup world. So um, I, I think what happened uh, probably around 2003, 2004, um, I, I think the worlds of branding and digital collided. In other words, the perception uh, of people's brands or businesses' brands and the interactions were taking more and more uh, taking uh, place more and more on online. So I went from sort of understanding digital to understanding brand strategy. Now, when it came to brand strategy, uh, the, the, the things were changing, but there were some fundamental principles that stayed the same. Um, and um, so I got I got heavily involved in brand architecture product uh, projects, you know, proposition development, good old fashioned storytelling, you know, how do you communicate your proposition so it resonates with the people you want to build relationships with. Um, but then looking at how do we do that beyond just kind of um, advertising or producing some some print collateral, you know, how do we really create deeper engagement? and resonance. Um, mm. So that, that's, that's how I sort of got to a point where I can happily and confidently take something that which, which could be quite complex. You know, maybe it's an organization that have been going through a lot of changes. Maybe they've grown organically. Um, their brand communications and their digital products or propositions are all very fragmented. And uh, through a process, um, really try and create something that's that's clear, that's really consistent and you know cohesive. I think cohesiveness is really needed now nowadays um, because it mm. provides a much needed clarity in an in an age of you know noise and confusion. So, um, so so uh, in 2007, I I was looking at what was happening in the tech space. And there was this thing called Agile going on, you know, the Agile Manifesto. There were some very simple principles that I thought were just this really smart, a smart way of working. Mm. I felt that those principles could be applied to creativity and branding. I, I didn't see any reason why some of those uh, concepts couldn't be translated into, into uh, our world of, of creativity. So. I started implementing and started creating this thing. I called it Creative Burst at the time. Mm. Um, it's it it kind of um, frust. No, I don't know if it frustrates me now, but I look at 
uh, the Google Ventures Sprint, you know, methodology, and I'm, I'm and and I'm seeing diagrams in that methodology, which were, which were exactly the same of yeah. the diagrams that I used to put in this, in this deck when trying to explain to people what Creative First was all about. Yeah, yeah. But it was, you know, it was about iterative design. It was about exploring and executing at the same time. It was about Fundamentally, it was about collaboration and leveraging collective intelligence, um, keeping the uh, overheads as far as kind of paperwork down, encouraging physical interactions um, uh, to create, you know, great products and experiences and brands. So that that was it. And as a friend of mine at the time um, who used to run these event series called uh, the future of, so it would be the future of web apps, the future of you know design, the future. And I told him about Creative Burst, and he said to me, and he's a tech guy, right? And he, yeah. he was saying, no, I haven't really, I haven't really heard of that before. That's really interesting. You know, this bear in mind, it's 2006, something like that. Yeah. Um, and he said, you should you should come and talk at one of my events. Now I, I forgot how big his events. Right. So I thought I was just going to go go somewhere for a little chat with a with, you know within a circle of people, um, and he he gave me the address and I was like I turned up it was the I think it was Kensington Town Hall or something there was about three thousand people there wow. and he said to me he said to me um, oh Danny because I've squ squeezed you in at the last minute I'm going to have to put you on first so I'm bloody opening this event <laughs> right. It's, and I'm not, you know, I wasn't then, and I don't think I am now, uh, any, any, anything that's sort of trained public speaker or anything. But I just, I went through my presentation and uh, and got a good response. I, before I went up on stage, I said to Natalie, my wife who was there, I said, um, I said, you know, oh God, I, I'm not sure if I've made a mistake here. What about my reputation? And she said something which has always stuck with me, and I always use it whenever I get nervous about something. Is she said, Danny, what reputation? And I thought, I thought that was, you know. Every now and again, when I'm worried about, you know, when you get a little bit self-conscious, it's really, I just, I just think of those words, what, what reputation. And, and yeah. I think there is something in, uh, there was a brilliant quote that I read, but I won't be able to, I won't be able to say it verbatim, but it was something around, you know, like run to what you feel is most uncomfortable and you know, destroy your reputation because because you know if you don't, other people are going to do it. You know, yeah. if if you don't actively lean into it, yeah. then there's always going to be a little bit of reluctance to really throw as much energy into into making something work. So that yeah. that's that's the that's the the story um, yeah. around creative verse. And actually, that was the kernel that then became Huddle. So when I left uh, the agency in 2009 um even before that i was i had this notion of creating a agile first creative agency yeah and i've got to say that there were 99% of people had never heard of what who i was talking to had never heard what agile was yeah they had no idea co-creation i would say co-creation they'd be going oh that's really that's interesting so it wasn't it wasn't a term it probably still isn't a term but the mm. uh, but the overwhelming response was wow that's brilliant you know yeah. um now what happened then and this is maybe talking um 
a bit about business. And and Larry, yeah. stop me if I'm rambling. No, no, or, no. This is this, is, this is all good stuff. So um, what happened there? So I had this notion of basing this whole business on creative first, and and at the heart of it was collaboration, which is why I called it Huddle Huddle Creative. Um, it probably comes from my own desire to work with people rather than go off into a room and yeah and and do stuff. So, um, but the principle was to have a core nuclei of um, really competent people who would and then pull in uh, people based on their their the competence, their capability, and their attitude uh, and the chemistry. So we would be creating these bespoke teams of people to address specific problems you know especially like coming from an agency where we had to make sure the revenue was flowing in to pay all our 60 odd staff mm. um i just i just felt that there was a smarter way of doing it which would be more around um Sorry, I've, I have turned my notifications off, but for some reason they still keep going. Um, so every now and again, you might get a ping. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was really around thinking, well, working smarter, not not just harder. Um, mm. It was around um, the best people who would fit that brief, for, yeah. both from a sort of chemistry point of view, but as well as a, a, a capability. Um, <clears throat> It, um, you know, and the and the vision there really was to have lots of creative bursts going off yeah. all over the place, yeah. um, and you know, to the point where I couldn't even define the target market because I thought, well, well any anyone could, an agency could could use yeah. this. So yeah. it's really yeah. about creating a toolkit. Now, in hindsight, I could have been a bit more steadfast about sticking to that model. Because yeah. I think what happened over time is we started picking up work, briefs started coming in, and because people liked the idea but weren't necessarily set up to buy those types of services, like they just couldn't get their heads around it. So they, you know, they want to yeah. see a, a three-month, really meticulously planned out Gantt chart. Mm. Uh, with everything costed up and that would give them some sort of full sense of security to sign well i that give them security i would say it was a full sense of security to sign up to budgets oh, and yeah. you know yeah. look it's much easier to communicate that to your fd if you're saying this project mm -hmm. is going to take three months and cost x amount mm -hmm. and this is what we're yeah. these are the deliverables mm -hmm. um but it, but it, but it was it was polar opposite to the philosophy behind creative burst because the idea was that you wouldn't set yourself up for a fall by trying to preempt everything that would happen further mm. down the line. That you'd create opportunity um, to develop something uh, in an iterative way. Um, yeah. That you need to have a certain amount of confidence to to know that actually you're not going to know what you're going to get out of this process yeah um but but also to know that actually what could come out of the process could be far better than uh uh running it through a a more waterfall type method where you're trying to preempt yeah. the outcome so yeah. it was yeah. it was a different mindset and i i i, I think 
we found it we found it easy to find people that liked the concept but mm. found it hard to find people who would sort of dive in and put some some uh, skin in the game really but is, is that the, uh, is that the difference between is the gap really down to kind of agile education and, and almost like branding branding of agile itself so, so you move through the kind of engagement model of you know people know about it but then they're prepared to dip their toe in the water and try something and then you selling them a, a, a proof of concept package or something and then building it from there because maybe yeah it before it's time i don't know it I, I think i think there was a lot of it wasn't so much education there was a the, the, the you know i had a lot of conversations with people saying this is how it works and this is why it's better mm -hmm. um i absolutely i mean it was it was it was early it was 2009 i mean i developed it in 2007 but it was 2009 before i started really putting it out there mm. and you know if i'm honest there are certain projects that don't require they're simple enough and they've been done enough that don't require that so it may be that we were just speaking to the wrong people um you know Maybe. perhaps Maybe. but but look we try to i think you know, we try to do it. I think I've heard a term, wagile. <laughs> it's sort of hybrid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some more rude ones as well. And, and but, maybe yeah. that's what we—that's what we were doing more often than not. Yeah. Is more sort of wagile type projects. Yeah. Um, but yeah. now, it's flipped. Now I'm working with you know big organisations who are buying agile. They understand what a design sprint is. They just—they just, they just yeah. get it. You know, they've been yeah. there. They're running their own internally. Mm. Um, even those that aren't aren't that familiar with it, they they seem to be getting it a lot, you know. Yeah. As a, a, rather than this kind of notion, they're seeing it as a tangible, a tangible mm. thing. Mm. Um, so that that's kind of up until now. Um, and recently, so we hit our tenth year anniversary in June last year, wow. two thousand nineteen, which seems like, yeah. God, it seems like a, a distant <laughs> memory now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we took the conscious decision to, they don't call it downsize now, do they? They call it right size. That's, that's yeah. right. So, yeah. you know, yeah. and just go back to that, um, that uh, idea of having a core team mm. at that pull, pull the right people uh, mm. together. The, the other thing, and I remember this from the creative burst days was I found quite powerful is that, if you've got a fixed team or you've got a fixed structure, what you're often doing is finding briefs to for them to work on. Yeah. And you're sort of shoehorning the problem into the solution, if you like. Yeah. Um, what I found with Creative Burst is you you know, you 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 focus on on inspiring people. Like and it either hits or miss, right? It misses, you know. Mm -hmm. So you, you put you put something out there, and it could be like a, a clearly articulated challenge. Um, and then you see who bites, and you find that the people that volunteer to do something, they they you know obviously they get paid, but yeah, but but yeah. their motivation is beyond earning some money, and the motivation is right. as they can see the value that they can add in that particular yeah. circumstances. In a particular yeah. circumstance, so I find that incredibly powerful. That if mm. we focus on creating spaces and opportunities for people to step into, there's a there's a different level and a different kind of energy 
that you see and I, I think the results speak for themselves when you've got the right team and you know I was talking to someone at South by Southwest I think it was a couple of years ago mm. uh, and I think he was heavily involved in the design of the original Xbox all right okay and he said something that I, I found fascinating which is which is something like you could I'm paraphrasing here you could you could almost cut through the middle of an Xbox and the DNA of the people, the team that worked on it, were are in there. And I just wow. thought that was that was wow. brilliant. You know that that actually all of that passion, all of that brain power, all of that, all of those sleepless nights, all of that, the effort around collaboration, prioritizing what features, and you know, was 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 baked into yeah. the output of what they had created. And I, I just I think that's wow. true. I think. Um, I really you know, like it's that. evident. It's the DNA of 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 the creator is in the uh, in the thing that gets created. Yeah. So um, I mean, you know, yeah, you know that's the, a nice nice interesting, thought. Interesting point because um, one of the reasons I started this podcast, uh, the Right Brain Stories podcast, is because I want I've had these conversations with people or heard conversations where. They're saying, oh, I'm worried my, my child wants to become a film director or they want to do something creative. And I'm a bit worried how they're going to make some money. And and what I wanted to ask you was the decision to go from an agency in corporate to starting your own business, which had a, a core of creativity underpinning it. What, what was that decision making process like um, for you as an individual, for your family, for, you know, for going forward to you know, having to make payroll every month and everything. And, you know, the the economics side of it, um, which is what people yeah. tend to worry about in the world we've just come out of. So I, um, I, le I left, a, you know, when the financial crisis was at its most um, virulent, you know, there mm. was, um, there were markets that we were heavily invested in at the agency I was at before, like the property market that just literally froze, you know, so it's kind of not dissimilar to what's happening now with certain industries. Mm. Um, so, and, and if I'm honest, I probably overstayed. It's not the right term, but I, I was maybe the last two years kind of using it as more of a safety blanket. Um, you know, young kids, mortgage, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, whereas I did have a burning desire to go off and do something else. And that, that burning desire may have been slightly driven by frustration of working in a more sort of corporate environment and feeling, you know, people that, were, that understood digital were feeling very isolated. There was often this, you know, uh, us and them or them and us yes. type thing. I don't know how much, you know, I think that has changed. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in some in some ways, very different, living on different planets, really. You know, so I've 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 spent a lot of time acting as the bridge between different worlds. Um, and it's frustrating and it takes it out of you. And, you know, ideally, you know, so part of it was around create, creating an entity that would get it from the from the get go that there wouldn't right. there wouldn't be this feeling of pushing water uphill hill all the time, 
Um, you know, one of the things that, again, I, I sort of learned along the way was that you can't really get anyone to do anything they don't want to do. Yeah, sure. Right. You could hold a gun to their heads, but even yeah. then, you know, they, you know, it's not a sustainable way of, um, yeah, of, of getting somewhere. So uh, as with the digital side of things, what I realized was try rather try and force it onto people was just mm. to try and create some examples of what what good looks like, get people inspired by it. Yeah. And I just found it a lot easier to enroll people into a vision or a strategy, whereas before, even though you can see it quite clearly, what technically needs to happen for things to, to move forward, um, you know, it's 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 a difficult we're, de we're dealing um, so we're dealing with human beings uh mm. I, there was a there's one ux um it's not really a ux company i guess they are but they, they're more in the user testing space uh, mm. that we've worked with out in the states um sorry there is a helicopter unfortunately it's a an ambulance <laughs> helicopter oh wow um, i don't know how much background noise you can pick up larry <laughs> no i can't hear it i hope they it's can't not hear too it. Um, so there's a there's a brilliant uh, they've got a brilliant tagline. It's one of the uh, one of the best tagline in this space, and it says um, so they're they're a user they're a user research company. So they find yeah. out how, and it's and their tagline is human beings are weird. We find out why. And I, just <laughs> I love that. that. Was really oh, nice, I love um, that. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, so so we. Um, yeah, I think we've got to a place now where digital, you know, I, I've always felt that the word digital probably needs to kind of get dropped from our mm -hmm. um, vocabulary in the sense that mm -hmm. it creates a division where there doesn't need to be, you know, everything is inherently dig digital. It's like it's just kind of in the air. So, you know, even a traditional business in my mind, should be looking at using uh, digital techniques and technologies, and um, you know, to to grow, to service, to uh, market themselves. Um, well, those those that just, haven't will struggle are struggling at the moment. You know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, this one of the I suppose positive things out of this crisis is that it's potentially accelerating this drive towards becoming digital first mm. um, so I work with a number of kind of partner agencies in the tech space they're doing pretty well actually uh, from this but you know they are losing business they are losing clients but maybe those clients just don't have the either they don't have the funds uh, or they don't have the vision to really um, seize the opportunity with both hands mm. Um, mm. but I, I love this um, there was a podcast that I listened to a while ago and you know I'm constantly listening to podcasts I mean I, I, predi I predicted the the, the, the the resurgence of podcasting back in 2015 yeah. so I mm. sort of dabble in 2002-2003 when you you know have people saying what the hell is a podcast yeah. um, and um, I just think that you know it makes so much sense, especially in this in this day and age where 
you know the quality of the content is fantastic yeah. and you can yeah. listen and travel at the same time yeah. um but <clears throat> one of one of the the podcasts i listened to um uh mentioned something that struck me which was around this it was it was kind of like diver, divergent thinking but it was i think it was called radical reverse assumptions so okay. the examples they were giving is um imagine so 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 restaurants have menus right everyone knows that restaurants have menus yeah. but if imagine if menus weren't a thing in restaurants yeah right so let's just say so it's not an assumption so restaurants that there is no concept of restaurants having a menu right yeah so whether it's a sustainable business or not but what that would mean is restaurants need to talk to their customers and find out what food they like they want, yeah, and they yeah. would offer a more personal service right mm -hmm. so the experience would be better yeah by re removing this middle artifact <laughs> um mm. so so now again you know obviously there's efficiencies to take into account and convenience and people might not want to talk yeah. to the waiter or the head chef or whatever but but i just i find yeah. that's that's a brilliant way of like taking an assumption um and really trying to believe the opposite or that assumption you know that doesn't that doesn't exist um Actually, so that radical reverse your website reverse you did an event called daft assumptions yes absolutely so uh we've been running an event for a number of years um <clears throat> we've we sort of slowed down recently because we've kind of replaced it with something slightly more intimate mm. but it's um it's all on the basis that every kind of failure is down to some some assumption that someone's mm. made now mm. there are smart assumptions and i would argue that to create a a, a valid hypothesis or something that's worthy of testing you need to make lots of assumptions um but you need mm -hmm. to make make um, make them based on some form of information uh that's credible um but yeah daft mm -hmm. assumptions is was the thing you know um the mother of all you know cock-ups <laughs> um so so they 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 were very interactive events they were hackathon based mm -hmm. type events we ran one one that sticks sticks in my mind was we ran one at the um the uh uh god hold on it will come back to me it was a museum the museum of london that's right oh i was, okay, okay. yeah, I was yeah, like yeah, it's a mu yeah. it's a museum in london so i'm thinking why can't i think <laughs> of the name but yeah the museum of london yeah and there's about 70 or 80 people there we broke them down into uh, groups of six or seven um, mm. and we set them a brief like you would do with a hackathon yeah. And the brief was, so after, after I did a talk about branding, which was covering positioning, proposition, it was covering, you know, values, how do you determine values? Um, how do you name something? You know, there's people think that naming is, is uh, cracking over, open a bottle of wine and just having a chat about which names you like and stuff, but it's not. It's, there's a really, it's, naming has got to be the, the most difficult thing you can do in, in, uh, in branding because you've got to pack yeah. so much sentiment into such a short space. Yeah. yeah. We, we, uh, so the challenge there was to rebrand Britain. Mm. Um, and I've got to say, like, 
it was phenomenal because we had everyone pitch their ideas and we had yeah. designers who would, would mock up logos and and obviously a brand isn't isn't a logo but it was it was really yeah. you know so we got them to write an elevator pitch yeah we got them to create some sort of visual artifact that they could then present with mm. and they got up and um, um and presented their ideas and some of the some of them amazing i think it was because it was kind of brexit kind of going on at the time yeah 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 um it was the winner was um Brexinder was the name. Uh, and the tagline was newly, newly single and ready to mingle. <laughs> and and there were some close seconds and thirds that were brilliant ideas. But these weren't creative people. We just told them, we gave them a framework to develop yeah. something creative and they went off and, and did it. Um, and then the, we awarded the winner. We, we had our DAFTA awards. <laughs> which uh, obviously, uh, a very pun, you know, oh we're God. a very pun centric uh, yeah, agency. Yeah, I, I know where a lot of that came from. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, our head of our head of pun, puns. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's. Um, but the thing is, though, uh, I was actually going to ask you the question about this because I think sure. that there's there's an opportunity to for us to use something like rebranding Great Britain coming out of the lockdown crisis coming out of COVID-19, yeah. you know, there, there, there could be a, a manifesto of, you know, family first, um, yeah. looking after each other, you know, there could be so many things. And I think, especially, I think really the NHS could do with something mm. because, you know, there'll be a lot of public push to mm. properly fund the NHS. But then also on the other side, it's an opportunity, there's a, a political opportunity, I think, for um, looking at preventative medicine, because all those people, lots of people dying have been, have had underlying health conditions. How can we prevent that happening again in the winter when there will, there will be inevitably yes. second yeah. wave and mutations? And then how can we, um, you know, move in such a way that we are in a different place to, you know, to now so that the NHS is, yeah. It's about preventative medicine. It's not about, you know, large companies profiteering. Um, it's not about, um, you know, struggling to find, not having a backup plan for PPE. You know, there's so many things that there's an opportunity there that I think there's a. Could be. I, I think you're 100% right. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Larry, about this yeah. whole, hopefully this, this move from reactive to, pre to preventive. Mm, mm. Um, and that's, I think, in all walks of life, and and not just in um, not just in healthcare. Mm. So, you know, the issue around climate change, I think, is one of less so uh, awareness, but but more more so urgency. So, when something's further in the distance, the less you you think about it and the less conscious you are about it and the less action you take um but it but it could be anything it could be financial planning it could be uh like you say preventative health it could be around the pandemic uh, you know the pandemic was predicted we just didn't know when and to what extent it would affect affect the world so it's it's difficult and it, and it and it actually ties in a little bit with innovation sort of, you know 
the experience that we've had with certain very large companies that will throw some money into uh, in, innovation projects, but actually um, the their, their 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 real goal or sort of underlying goal is is around looking like they're innovative, not truly in, innovating. And yeah. what we've found is that even if we we do a brilliant job and we create something truly innovative that's going to have a massive positive impact potentially, they tend to recoil um, because the present is just more valuable than the future to them. And <clears throat> and this this short termism, I hope, is one of the things that. Uh, that diminishes uh, the, the short-termism, uh, you know, thinking, the mindset is, as well as as well as the 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 hunger for just constant growth. If those if those two things are diminished as a result of this uh, this terrible um, tragic thing that's happening, um, you know, hopefully. Um, Hopefully that we, we're going to be emerging into a, a slightly better world than 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 you know than we went into um, than the world we uh, we went into with. So I I you know I, I I'm a I'm a naturally optimistic person. It's yeah. always glass half full, um, and in some ways maybe there's some naivety around that that um, almost almost. Def uh, protects me from from going the other way you know um, yeah but it's a bit of you know it's, it, it sort of helps to to have an optimistic outlook um, mm. just from a, a resilience point of view but mm. but it, but um with but the with about, the nhs about, yeah i was going to say well, tell me about how that came about and what what you're doing so so we created it was just a bit of fun, but we just but we did it for a serious point. Uh, so two or three weeks ago, uh, slightly inspired by the McDonald's logo that was you know the one that was separated and showing social social distances. And I think there's there's a view that businesses that do that sort of playful stuff or brands yeah. that you know that you know they should be spending more effort on actually physically helping people out. So, you know you know. So much better to send a million meals out, happy meals out, than yeah. to, to just um, mess around with the logo. But yes. for the rest of us um, who haven't got control over those uh, those operational um, and strategic decisions, um, the you know we we created a series of logos that were you know were quite smart. We just used our graphic design skills and our thinking. To create a series of logos, big brands, and um, very simple, uh, sort of colourful, you know, stand out. Um, I'll send you the link. Actually, it's on. I think it's huddlecreative.com forward slash social distancing is the is the okay. URL. Yeah. <clears throat> we turned it into a bit of a competition as well. You know, if people wanted to contribute ideas as to what logos we would create. Um, and um, that got noticed by someone in my uh, a, a circle of, um, of of colleagues that um, who's 
the guys uh, a strategist and um, uh, more of a kind of digital transformation person who's who's working uh, with the NHS. He saw he saw that and <clears throat> he matched it with a problem that he's he's uh, noticed. So he's working quite closely with a clinician in the NHS, Chelsea and Westminster NHS mm. Trust, who is actually a specialist in. I think she's working on the PPP uh, P P E issue. Yeah, at the moment yeah. now she's seeing first she's on the front line she's seeing firsthand the effect of people not adhering to the rules and so <clears throat> coupled with coupled with uh, any of these authorities or the or the or the government they put information out there but it's never got the edge to get the cut through that it needs it's always yeah. factually correct but it's a yeah. little bit dry yeah so he was saying, well, look, if he can match Sophie, the clinician, with us and we can create some sort of campaign or at least a brand platform that she can use to, to communicate not just her messages, but the messages of her colleagues to the general public that would encourage uh, a positive behaviour change and, and, and better decisions to be made. So rather than, you know... I'm going to go over and visit my nan uh, or I'm going to go and kick a ball around in the park with my mates actually just thinking twice I mean you know, there's stories of house parties there's loads of house parties being broken up um, which is crazy it's, it's, know, it's crazy I know, I know. but you know we and we we put it down to three things um, and it's not particularly um, reflective in, in a positive way on on the human on the human race but um, but you know, we put it down to selfishness, uh, arrogance, and denial. One hundred percent. You know, I, and I, I um, noticed that when I went to queue outside ASDA, and um, yeah, yeah, it was just strange. I had my bandana mask, and um, yeah. I would say probably only ten percent of people had masks, so I was just quite surprised at. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think those three things. I was trying not to be judgmental, but those three things just stuck out, stood out to me, you know. And Absolutely. Never mind our local convenience store, where none of us, which is quite tight, and is doing yes. a great job, but nobody was wearing any PPE, no mask. The staff weren't, and I was like, Yeah, it's strange. It's 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 people. Um, unfortunately, I think it's going to hit home over the next couple of weeks as we all start to have people close to us getting yeah. affected so the impacts that this this campaign or any campaign can have is probably something that's going to diminish over time uh in the short term but um we feel we can help people like sophie and um other authorities to communicate um uh evidence-based um uh inf information in a way that actually gets people to think uh, twice, and 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 then and then you know uh, you know change their beliefs and 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 hopefully change their attitudes uh, and and behaviours about certain things. So you know I was coming at it from the point of view. This is a pro bono piece of work. You know we'll we'll we've been throwing some resource and headspace into it. But the idea is to come come up with something 
that is that has has the impact it's not apologetic about mm. its clarity um and the starkness of the message now the problem is with you know we've come up with some very hard hitting messages and concepts um that tonally aren't quite right for this in this particular instance i still think it's got value you know one example is quite it's quite graphic both in terms of its visual but also the the message is uh, you don't need a gun to kill someone wow yeah. or you don't need a knife to take a life you know those mm -hmm. are really hard hitting messages now whether they really get through to these people that are in denial or are, are arrogant enough to think that they don't need to care about other people mm -hmm. i don't know but even if it changes one person's behavior and they just decide you know what i'm actually going to wear that mask or i'm actually not going to go over to my mate's house or i'm actually you know you know going to be super careful when it comes to when i'm in a shop and i've had people uh sort of keep two dis two meters apart like from, you know and be quite conscious but then they have these lapses in concentration and they might <laughs> lean over it might lean over you to grab a yeah. A, you know, a box of cornflakes or something. Yeah. yeah. It's 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 totally bizarre, but it is a bit like, you know, you can understand it because when it comes to these deep rooted habits, yeah, like touching your face. Yeah. I think it's we touch our face. Was it sixty times or twenty times an hour or something? Yeah. Yeah. You can understand it, but I but I don't. I think it's unfortunately it's going to take people to be personally affected um to wake up and you know i've got friends who have lost their parent or you know a, a father uh there's people in the jewish community uh recently um uh a rabbi uh lost his life to the to the illness and it's actually disproportionately affecting particularly with the orthodox jewish community where you've got lots of generations either living together or yeah. in close proximity mm. um you know there is there is a there is a big issue there and i just think it's going to take personal pain to to really hit it home unfortunately mm -hmm. so we are having we are questioning the validity of and you know the effectiveness of a clever campaign because yeah. actually it could be unless you unless we threw threw a lot of money behind it it could be very difficult to really get the cut through that w would have an impact but like i say even if it has a small impact you know then then you know then it's got to be a good thing so that's what we're doing yeah. with the nhs yeah um, but the it other thing me... we're doing go on sorry go on oh, 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 say... oh there was a slightly different question but you can come back to sure. what the other point you're making is how in terms of giving people a sense of giving giving creatives a sense of perspective how can they view their skills and their um, uh, uh, as an opportunity coming out of COVID-19, you know, because some, you know, I think we're coming out of a stage where creatives just work in the creative industry. You know, we, we're, we're in a stage now where you've got people who are, who've got, um, you know, who are neuro neurologically diverse working in consultancies. You've got creative people working in UX, um, agencies mm -hmm. and, and so coming out the question I was going to ask was how should creatives view their skills and how they could have an impact or have a 
uh, a fulfilling career coming mm. out of COVID-19? Yeah, I, I think there's, so there's something we say in, in the creative world when we're under pressure and uh, to try and get a sense of perspective, which is, oh, we're not saving lives, <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, yeah. designers, maybe artists to some extent, but designers like to solve problems and they like to think those problems that they're solving, all of those solutions are meaningful and have an impact. <clears throat> so this is a good opportunity to start putting some of those skills and you know design, whether, it, whether it's design thinking or whether it's uh, creating um, a visual uh, of data or whatever it is, you know, whatever goes in a creative mind so when they when they're cogs are turning um it's it's an extreme um there's an extreme context here in which we're doing our work it's not just about selling a product um so so the residual effects of that or the muscle memory that that gets built up of 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 taking on those complex challenges you know like this nhs thing is literally the brief is what creative will cut through and have an impact and ultimately save people's lives you know that's quite a big challenge now you could apply that that thinking to pretty much um any creative so it it i, I suppose what it may do is start to help um start to help us move away from this turning the handle textbook uh, executional frame of mind into a more strategic frame of mind which is around uh, you know what problem we actually trying to solve yeah. um, uh, getting people to ask why why are we doing this you know why am I doing this what's my <laughs> role how much value can I add all of that kind of stuff in terms of the actual um, practical impact it could have uh, on creatives, uh, I suppose there's there's something in uh, the breaking down of, of of barriers or the blending of 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 certain things that we would uh, historically have seen as sort of formal divisions. So uh, an example of that would be, you know, I've noticed I've noticed that people are less guarded now it's 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 really bizarre but it's almost like doesn't matter what you know you're having a conversation doesn't matter what job title they've got uh you know they could still have kids running in the background while they're on a zoom call <laughs> and and it's and it, and that that i think it's been that's been, it's been a bit of a revelation to me because it because it the pretenses are are being dropped yeah. and it really is around you know we're all into this together like yeah. okay i mean yes it, it does look like the virus affects certain ethnic groups or, or you know geographic groups more than others but ultimately we're all in this together we're all about yeah. it's all about protecting the vulnerable it's all about um caring for one another and and so 
I, I don't know in terms of like how that would affect someone's uh, creative career or their path maybe that's around um, getting rid of some of those preconceptions that you have to go through this linear journey to yeah. get somewhere uh, I'm finding that's affecting me in a positive way so I've taken on a number of initiatives that I feel uh, the sort of things that you you sort of you sort of say when you know what would you do if money was no object you know um, now money is an object <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> it's it can be quite an important object yeah. um, but I'm 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 my threshold for risk has gone higher right. as a result of, as a result of this and. I think anyone in the creative industry who's looking to move up or sideways or in a, into a different area, maybe that's what's going to happen. Maybe a start, maybe people are starting to think, you know what, I don't have to follow the rules um, as much as maybe I thought I did. Maybe it's around um, creativity applied to all sorts of different, you know, it doesn't have to be big advertising yeah. campaigns. It doesn't have to be you know the uh the you know talking about the reputation uh yeah. earlier um yeah. it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be all about your reputation um it, mm. it it could just be linked to the value that you're you you know you're adding uh yeah. and uh there's that thing isn't there there's the three i can't remember it's a, it was an rsa thing which was the three key motivations behind why people do what they do and um, one of them is mastery so really honing in on a skill uh, mm. and feeling like you're progressing um, the other is autonomy feeling like you're, you've been trusted to get on with it and the third is around a, a higher purpose that you're aiming for that you've got a vision that you believe in and that you can you can work towards so it like may that. be that it's giving people a greater sense of purpose, mm. perhaps mm. without sounding too sort of worthy about it. Again, yeah. we could all default to type and we could all start to get, you know, go back to that sort of short sighted view, which I think, mm. you know, which would be a shame. But I, I do feel that, uh, you know, optimistically, I think there is a, um, there are going to be positive residual uh, effects. Mm. that we take into our future so mm. who knows when we look back whether you know how different will the past be from you know when we look back it's it would be shame if it wasn't you know um i mean this yeah. is this is a once in a two generation event you know and uh uh we need to learn and i think we can't i think there's going to be kind of effects that drag behind what we are what we are experiencing in the developing world because you'll have in the, yeah. in the first world you'll have the developing world um yes. and i i don't think we can separate ourselves from the developing world because um we rely on them so much for um their exports and our imports you know for yes. raw materials and you you can't just stop people leaving borders um because yeah. they are intrinsically linked with the goods that they are exporting you know, so it'll be a really 
for global trade, it will be very interesting. Um, and uh, I agree. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be, well, it'll be fascinating. So just um, just to tell you a little bit about what we're doing in terms of Huddle as the business. As the business. Yeah. So yeah. Um, as I said, we've been spending sort of six months or so moving to a more collaborative model or a collective model, which is working brilliantly. Um, we have hit upon... Uh, so we're great believers in in having to de deconstruct your business or your brand and re and put it back together on a regular basis, maybe every three to five years, or at least validate that your business model and your brand is relevant for the times. So we looked, we did a we did a session earlier on in the year. We found that our center of gravity was really around this concept of re r e. So that was around reframing, reimagining, reinventing, refreshing, reassessing, you know, all of those re-type um, uh, words. Um, and so as opposed to, I guess, as opposed to invention, um, it's more reinvention. So that's where we felt very comfortable and it was across branding, um, digital, so the whole digital transformation and, and marketing. Um, sometimes it, it got a bit sort of management consultancy and into the sort of business modeling because you can't really develop a brand without a, a clear business strategy. But, 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 but often it would be around, okay, how can we take a functional business and turn it into a really relevant brand and valuable brand experience. That's what we uh, are really focused on. So we've created something, we've, we've taken what we've been doing over the last 10 years and condensed it into a new service called Reboot Camp. We haven't formally launched it, but we're about to, so like uh, watch out for that. But Reboot Camp, is it rebootcamp.co is the URL. And yeah. that is a three-day, now remote workshop yeah. that helps businesses and teams within bigger organizations reinvent their brands or propositions or marketing. So we're talking about rebooting something. We're, so we're, yeah. you know, we're talking about, you know, where are you? So what's A and where is B? Where do you want to get yeah. to? And how, what's, the, what's the direct path to get you there? Um, so I think it's going to be a very popular service. Um, really it's designed to be more accessible for, um, you know, for smaller businesses. But I think it, I think it will be taken up. We've got some initial interest from from larger businesses who have got smaller teams who are trying to be a bit more agile. So I think it will be a very a very valuable service. It's going to be pretty intense. The big difference between that and our, what we call our huddle hacks um, is is the fact that we're gonna try and uh, leverage collective intelligence from different brand and business owners. So whereas we would do a huddle hack for a business, so very much a one-to-one, -one, it's now um, looking at taking six to eight brands or businesses in a room and getting them in a room, virtual room um, yeah. and over three days. So we've got a number of activities where we're pairing um, we're pairing people up, so it, it, 
it, it speaks to that that notion of <clears throat> it's hard well you can't read the label unless you're uh, uh, sorry you can't read the label if you're inside of the jar <laughs> so we're yeah. looking at getting non-competing businesses together to feed back yeah. off each other ah, in a live like way um, and that will make the outputs we think a lot more robust and a lot more valid um, so um, like well, I'll, I'll let you know how that goes but that that's, yeah. you know and obviously obviously we've still got huddle for more you know looking at the the menu uh, me metaphor uh, mm. looking at the more sort of a la carte offering which yeah. would be larger projects and probably over a longer period of time um, but this is interesting for us because it's it's we've always felt that these hackathons that we did not only delivered tangible outputs but they also transformed the way people thought yeah and so they could take that into their into their pro projects and and uh, initiatives programs yeah. at work so it's it's a bit of a hybrid between training and doing learning and doing mm. um, sounds so really good something I mean, that's quite interesting it, one thing I was going to ask you, actually, on on a on a related note, is what is there much advice out there or any lessons learned around in uh, managing virtual workshops and the effectiveness of virtual workshops because you you don't have that physical interaction. I'm, I'm yes. looking to learn that myself. You know. No, no, it is. There's there's an abundance of advice out there. It's something I've got a group of brilliant creatives that we uh, are looking at tackling just that problem. Some of those people come from the um, the experiential marketing space. Some of those people come from the events world. You know, running mm. um, running uh, gigs or or, yeah. or or other types of events. So. Mm. <clears throat> We are looking at, um, and, and you know, by all means, it'd be great to have you in the group, actually. Mm, um, mm, mm. We're looking at how, so we started asking the question is how can we take physical experience on, online? And then we got yeah. about an hour and a half into the conversation and I, I, I raised the question, are we are we answering or trying to answer the right the right question because yeah. i felt that uh, back to that you know do do uh, restaurants have menus <laughs> thing i i just felt that if we could say okay let's wipe the slate clean and say actually physical events don't exist we've got no notion of what a physical event is so we mm. can't look at what are the pros and cons you know we can't look at what are the nuances or the processes or, or, or whatever that goes, you know, the interactions that happen on physical. Let's just start from scratch and say, physical events don't exist, but we've got all this amazing technology yeah. to hand. What yeah. would we design that would not only replicate, potentially replicate that, that physical experience, but actually create a, a sort of enhanced version um, I suppose a little bit, it's a bit blue ocean strategy, you know, like Cirque du Soleil, uh, yeah. I talk yeah. about, you know, reinventing yeah. the whole circus. Um, so um, it's, it's still, conversations are still progressing. We're looking at um, really interesting uh, platforms. Obviously there's Zoom. Yeah. We, we have 
something that we've developed but we put it on ice but we're gonna we're gonna re resurrect it which is i suppose is a is a good term for this this time of year yeah. um it's called crescendo okay um and it's a video app that allows multiple people to create good quality uh video storytelling type content so yeah the idea is that you would you would use the app say you're the originator so you let's just say you wanted to get a message a collective message together let's just say it was as simple as i don't know it's your mum's birthday yeah right now you want a video from each one of your family and your relatives to contribute so typically now what you do is you email them and you say look you did send me a a 10 second happy birthday message to mum yeah, yeah. and i'll stitch it together yeah so this takes all of the legwork out of that so mm. essentially you and i think i've got it on my phone so we did actually build a very rudimentary pro prototype okay um so it works like this you would you would basically record i don't know if you can see that yeah yeah i can see it very clearly yeah Resurrected. you would record you would record a video so let me just yeah. uh, do that so if i record a video so that's recording you oh yeah. no that's <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, there, um, there. yeah 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 um and then it it's so once you've recorded your video you then nominate someone else to record a video yeah so you would send it to your daughter or jake yeah. you know yeah they would record a video and then they would nominate someone else so it creates a chain yeah and then the originator then gets that video back in a composite form yeah so it's all been spliced okay. together and then yeah. you can send that as a message to your mum now that's a use case which is which is great it's nice it's a celebration you know yeah. it would be a lovely for your mum to receive it and it's a video but the other use cases, and again, we're not trying to prescribe them, is uh, what if you take this into a business context? Yeah. So the bigger the organization, the more difficult it is, the more the bigger the divide is between the kind of senior management and the people on the ground. So yeah. what if this was a crescendo that the board put together to talk about their vision for the next year? I like it, right? so yeah. You have the, the FD and you have the yeah. uh, CEO and yeah. and then that goes to the staff could be used as a recruitment tool so as a company yeah. you know people join cultures they don't join companies so mm. you know what if you in your department had a crescendo and you just talk and you just told people okay can you just put a little bit of a video in there about what it's like to work here yeah, uh, yeah. From, a, from a fundraising for good causes point of view a bit like the ice bucket challenge you know what if we had or it could be it could be around the virus it could be around yeah. you know mothers mothers uh in an america who have lost their children to gun crime you know mm. talking about could be the nurses in nhs putting their stories in you know I've horrendous oh, stories yeah uh, yeah, yeah. Um, terrible so you can see how powerful so that that is about i think taking what what does happen in the real world but making it a much better experience making mm. it easier more accessible and so that's well, certainly that's with my with my current client um there is um yeah we, we'll have in agile stand-ups in the morning you know for each of the different and then um we 
and I think they end up at the moment being a little bit like therapy at, at first before you go into the business side of things. Which yes. Is yeah. Um, because the, 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 the less people that you are, the, I find it's the one-to-one conversations, you'll talk more about your feelings and your, you know, whereas larger yes. conversations, people at the moment aren't talking about how they feel, you know? Um, yes. But then there's also like, um, agile demos. So we have, uh, like, you know, probably a demo once a month or maybe once a quarter. We're trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to do a, a, a demo in a, a virtual demo. So, so there's lots yes. of different thoughts going around, you know, and, and like you say, I'm trying to bring, like, there's a book that I've got, which is about event design, event design canvas, yeah. um, and that's really good. But then, you know, like you say, there's other aspects to it, it's the digital side of things, and what's the, because you're, you're almost limited by your corporate applications as they stand yes. at the moment, you know, um, but what yeah. you're saying. There, there uh, is, um, is it a holacracy or something? There's a, something I was actually talking to someone about this yesterday, yeah. where um, there are um, there are certain rules around meetings that you would have. I think you go around a bit like you have a talking stick, and you go around. Everyone has to kind of air their frustration or their issue, so they have to bring an issue to the table, and then they go around again, and they have to kind of give a solution. And you can kind of get caught out if you haven't researched your issue. If you're just venting. You, yeah. you sort of get caught out, but what it does is it it gives it gives every individual uh, a space to contribute or to talk. Yeah. So you don't yeah. get that hippo, you know, highest paid person in yeah. you know yeah. uh, effects. It's mm. a really interesting thing. There's actually a system. I can't remember what it's called, but I'll send you the link. Yeah. Um, that, but it's but it's a it's a it's a brilliant way of restructuring. Sorry, structuring a, a, a corporate uh, 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 organization, mm. um, cause apparently, uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't experienced it firsthand, but, um, uh, the person that I was speaking to, um, yesterday works for a multinational organization. He said it's completely transformed since the CEO put it in place, completely mm. transformed his organizations and meetings are half the time they used to be and twice as really? productive. So wow. definitely worth looking in that. But the, the vision mm. for Crescendo is, although it starts with pre-recorded messages that get compiled and then uh, and then shared, we're looking at, okay, what about some sort of live version where you have people that can contribute to a conversation in turn? Um, I think I think that could be that could be incredibly yeah. powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's it. So look out for that. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll send you. I've got that. a note of to, yeah. Yeah, and, um, and I'll be really. But, but I think I, that group as well. You know, really interested in that group because it's kind of very current and it's, there's some current issues there with current COVID nineteen and working virtually um, about how how you can most effectively um, meet virtually uh, and do workshops yes. and different types of experience. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, it's. it's, it's Couple of Sorry, Larry, there is just one one thing cool. that I wanted to mention um, because yeah. um, part of this collective who are talking about this issue around creating yeah. and rewarding virtual experiences mm. has done a huge amount of work and um, research and written guidelines for his own business uh, on this. But the first thing he said was, whatever you... Um, whatever you think you're doing that you would normally do in the physical world, uh, if you're doing it online, you cut it by half. You've got to just reduce the amount of time 
Um, so if you do a 10 minute talk, do a five minute talk, you know, if you've okay. planned a, a half an hour conversation, make sure it's 15. He was saying that people's attention online, particularly as, you know, it's a click away, isn't it? Like, I could yeah. pick up my phone and have a look at a message now, yeah. Yeah. Um, which would interrupt the flow. Um, yeah. He said, just be really brutal and cut it by half. He even said, look, cut it by half and then cut it by half again. You know, just try and go, yeah, just be really um, ruthless in, uh, in, in the timings uh, of it. And he said, you really, you realize how much, com how much of a conversation is just sort of filler. Yeah. And not this one, obviously everything we're saying yeah, is yeah. amazingly, amazingly <laughs> profound, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So just talking, I think we'll need to wrap up, um, yeah. Larry, if yeah. that's okay. Yeah, I've got a call no or two. Um, no, no problem at all. Um, I've got to do some stuff as well. Um, no problem. And, um, yeah. So what would, what would your, parting advice or ask be of our listeners and viewers um what, what is there something you would like to know or something that you would like to impart um in these uh strange times yeah um i guess it's i guess it's uh a note of optimism which is um with every crisis or challenge there is an opportunity to learn, to grow, to reconnect, mm. to do all of those things that we don't have time for when we're not locked yeah. in our houses. Uh, yeah. It's around doing the important stuff rather than the urgent stuff, yeah. which I know might be a luxury for some, you know, depending on uh, financial, you know, how financially secure you are or what how the virus is affecting you personally and whether you've got loved ones you know so i think it is one of those things that's easier said than done mm. but but for the people that have an opportunity to have a much needed um have this much needed time of, of having more headspace of traveling uh and being stuck on the tube or the train uh two hours less a day you know um of being able to have family uh, around you that you wouldn't normally have. You know, our kids are uh, are here, although they're in their bedrooms quite often. We're having meals, um, you know, every day together, which which you know hasn't happened for years and years. Mm. So um, uh, self development, personal development, learning, lots of opportunities, um, and um maybe to recognize the like i say the byproducts of this terrible crisis that we're going through um that are positive and potentially things that could change the way we think and behave going forward mm -hmm. that's uh, that's really uh, that's really good I, I like that as a as a parting shot so uh Danny, thanks for your time. And um, my pleasure, Larry. Thank you for getting in touch in the first no place. Problem. It's been no way problem. too long. Yeah, it has. And um, um, and as, as I might have mentioned that I'm I'm gonna I would like to organise a bit of a a panel discussion. Um, I've got um, a friend who's a journalist. Uh, he's a lecturer at Cardiff University and. Um, yeah. 
couple of the people that I've interviewed, and I think it'd be good to have this discussion as a four or five some if we can manage it. You know, um, they're all really keen, really up for it, and um, so I'll I'll be in touch very soon to uh, you know just uh, have a bit of uh, a wisdom circle around uh, the current situation. No, that, I'd love to. I'd love to be part of that 